It's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of the Joust About Careers podcast. I'm your host, Brian Brott, and I'm a career advisor and English teacher at Van Buren High School who has seen too many people spend a lot of money and time working toward careers they don't enjoy or that don't help them achieve the purposes they've identified for their lives. I want to make sure that doesn't happen to anyone else. My guest today is Lane Kuhlman, a staff interaction designer for Google. Lane will be sharing about what she does as a designer, the pioneers of the internet she has worked with at Google, the importance of failing fast, and much more. I hope what Lane shares today will help you make better career decisions and lead to a fulfilling career journey. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Joust About Careers podcast, where we talk just about careers and focus on helping students determine what career paths they might like to follow in the future. Today, we have Van Buren graduate Lane Coleman with us. She is currently a staff interaction designer at Google. So really cool to talk to someone who works at Google and especially have that person be a Van Buren graduate. So Lane, thank you very much for joining me today. And I guess I'd like to start by finding out what does a staff interaction designer at Google do? Okay, well, thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to um, connect with some of uh, you know the current students at Van Buren. And I, I hope that some of what I share resonates with you and that you can, um, this can help you when you're thinking about your future career paths. I certainly at your phase didn't know what I was going to do and I never thought I'd end up here. So, um, well, as, as far as what I do now at Google as a staff interaction designer is um, I am, you know, Google's mission statement is if you haven't heard before, is organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. And um, so that's sort of where I'm focused. A lot of the products that Google makes are really focused on making it a lot easier to make really technically complex or data intensive tasks easier to accomplish. Um, Google search is a great example of this. But I think most people don't really realize how much is going on under the hood with Google search. For example, you know, we've got these search engine ranking algorithms. We've got, you know, search ads, which is an area I used to work in. Um, there's integration with all sorts of systems from like Google Maps and location data to, you know, your personalized information related to your Google identity itself, which is called Gaia, which you use in other products too, like Gmail or Drive potentially. Um, and then there's also the this whole layer with Chrome and like the cookies in your browser and all these other things. So there's a lot of complex layers often in these systems that we work on and um, these, you know, many deep complex layers. Um, as a designer at Google, I need to be aware of these things, but I also need to be able to step back from it, um, you know, understanding its true impact on actual end user and how does it affect their actual experience. So um, Google has a saying that designers really take to heart, which is focus on the user, everything else will follow. And the reason it's really important is because it can be really easy to get lost in all the technical details of how these things work um, and, you know, of, of how we need to focus on, you know, designing products without losing focus of customer needs and goals. 
So in the end, a lot of the technical details don't matter if, if it doesn't fit into people's lives. Um, so one thing that we're often doing as interaction designers and just developing ideas to evaluate them with customers. So our entire team is often trying to test our assumptions and our biases about how we think uh, customers are going to use products versus how they actually use them. So we often just need to develop prototypes and conduct what's called user experience research to test our assumptions. Um, and we might do this by creating a prototype, uh, of course, that you can put in front of users. And uh, we might ask them to try to achieve a task and observe what they do, see if they're successful or not. Oftentimes by observing you know, what they're doing with the product day to day, we learn things that make us realize our assumptions were wrong. Um, so we change course considerably as a result. And even after we launch products, we're often really testing them with customers in real time. So you, um, we might do this by evaluating like analytics um, about how customers use the product after it's launched. We might run a B test um, with traffic splits to see do experiments and see if one variation performs better than another. Um, so as a designer, I'm primarily a storyteller and I work on artifacts like storyboards or prototypes to help define how the product should look or behave uh, when customers use it. And I work with a lot of different people like um, our, you know, to develop this product vision. So that can include like product managers who focus on business goals, engineers who are bringing all the technical background we need to actually develop the products. Um, also like user experience researchers who help conduct um, methodical research and understand our customers' needs. Um, I'm usually, um, you know, I usually need to do a lot of brainstorming with the team to develop concepts and all these different people. So um, if we all agree um, uh, to continue evaluating concepts, um, we make adjustments as we go and we kind of course correct based on all this user feedback. So it's just really, it's a lot of like research and development and a lot of iteration and back and forth day to day. So a, a lot of working with people, a lot of science. Uh, you know, I heard you talk about that a little bit the brainstorming. So it sounds like it's a very engaging field because you're constantly testing, figuring out what's working, how to fix the things that aren't working, so forth. So that sounds really, really interesting. So as you were in high school, you said a little bit, a little bit ago, you, you never foresaw yourself being at Google. What did you see yourself doing when you were in high school and how and why did those things change to lead you to being at Google? Well, when I was in high school, the job I'm doing now didn't really exist. And that's probably going to be true for a lot of students now um, with technology and the way it's advancing. There's new jobs that just are going to exist in five years that don't exist right now. Um, so, you know, I, when I was in high school, I remember taking computer science classes and I actually really hated it. I just thought all the talk about ones and zeros, that's so boring. I could never imagine myself doing this uh, or working, you know, even, I could never have imagined that I would be working closely with some of the foremost computer scientists in the world. And I mean that like, because I literally have um, occasional meetings with Vince Cerf, who is if you Google him on the internet, he's the father of the internet. He invented the internet. Um, and because he's very involved in some of the um, employee resource groups I'm involved in, 
called there's one I'm involved in called the disability lens and he's in on meetings but like I never would have imagined that this I would be in this position um is the point but but when I was in high school I really loved art and most of the people that um you know most people thought I was pretty good at it and I think they kind of pushed me in that direction um and I loved art and I decided to pursue an art degree for that reason and when um you know, I first got out of high school and my, my first year of college, I, I thought I was going to be a children's book illustrator. And then I met a children's book illustrator and he was one of the most successful children's books illustrators that um, uh, of the time. And when I heard his story, um, it really changed my mind because he I learned that he you know worked for four years without getting paid. He finally launched his book with critical acclaim, much success. And even then he was only making about 20K a year off sales. And so at that point I decided this is not the right path for me. I did the math and I was like, oh, this isn't gonna work. And so I, um, you know, I still sort of loathe computers and in, into the early aughts in college. Like I didn't see myself working on computers. Um, I was more interested in doing things in the real world like sculpture and woodworking or painting or drawing. and. Um, it really wasn't until I learned programming with Macromedia Flash that I really got into the idea of interactive media, and it made um, it made it much more fun and interactive than most of the internet that I had used before that point. And I could build basic like interactive games, and this helped me get interested in tech and the idea of interactive media and interaction design. But I really um, entered via like art and film and animation and gaming. Um, and, you know, I always want to do something creative and I love the idea of R&D. So when I learned what was possible for me career wise with that, um, I was just really drawn to that area. And it but it really did require a lot more education than I had in high school because I wouldn't have even known the stuff as possible. And so I would say that before you really decide on a career, I mean, just be open to what's possible. And if you're a person who likes learning, um, you know, you can really learn a lot more than what you know is going to be possible in high school if you just consider, you know, learning is a lifelong experience and there's always more to learn. And if a student has that mindset, that also makes it easier when they might go into those careers that haven't even been created yet. Uh, if I can just be a lifelong learner, I'm setting myself up for potentially moving into those fields. Uh, as they are developed and, and so forth. So yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. So you went to uh, Cleveland Institute, Institute of Fine Art, uh, eventually earned a Master's of Fine Arts from Ohio State. Then you had some positions with Vertifone, T-Mobile, AT&T, Microsoft, uh, Bird Polar Research, AOL, so some well-known companies there. How did all of that contribute to getting you to where you are today? Well, it was a journey. Um, so there were, um, so, you know, I've been at Google now for about 10 years, which I, so it's a, I have to look back pretty far, you know, thinking about all this. Um, and I, you know, there were a lot fewer designers when I started. And so even just at you know, at Google, it's been quite a journey. Like at, when I started at Google, the designer to engineer ratio wasn't what it is now. Um, 
for example, um, they're, they were really just starting to hire a lot more designers at that time, but I was on a team and I was the only designer on a team of 100 engineers. And most engineers had never worked with a designer. They didn't know what to expect. Um, so I had to do a lot of setting expectations and explaining the value of design. And since then, the company's sort of changed quite a bit and we have a lot more designers. So I still uh, encounter a lot of engineers who've never worked with a designer, but it's less common. So I think now there's a lot more awareness of processes we use and the value we bring to the table. Since joining um, Google, though, I've I've been promoted about three times, but each time it's just harder. Like, you know, you can self-nominate, but you have to get support from your managers and peers. So um, if you want to be successful, so um, I just, you know, you have to really work on building relationships um, to get promoted and, you know, show results as well. So you are kind of judged by the value of what you deliver. And I think that's kind of true of any company. Um, you know, the value you deliver to the business or the com company is really what will help you move forward. Um, so, but, you know, we're also expected to make like community contributions and help others in the company grow and thrive. So um, just what changes over time is just really the complexity and scale of the work you're doing um, at any given level. Um, I think that the, the nice thing about Google is that um, we have a lot of mobility internally to switch teams. So I've worked on different projects, um, you know, which have allowed me to learn a lot of new skills in different areas. So I was um, I was lucky to work with a lot of really great people on a lot of different products. So I started off um, working on search ads, uh, where, which is where most of Google's revenue is from, and it helped me understand a lot of the business. And it was a lot easier to show impact or get promoted there, because um, I was only there about four years, but then I got really burned out on that. And after that, I decided to work on a product called Code Search. And code search is like Google's search engine for code. They actually, all the engineers can share and see each other's code. And I um, basically was working on the user interface to help engineers search for code. Um, so this is obviously an oversimplification, but it was much more, um, much more interesting space um, with a lot less revenue than ads, but I found it really enjoyable because it was a lot more creative building tools to help people be creative. Um, so I worked in that space for about three years, but then, um, you know, I, I got reorged and I moved to a new space called cloud security. Um, and I'm working on a product called security command center. Um, and uh, so that is basically a tool that allows cloud customers to see security threats and vulnerabilities that exist um, for their cloud resources like uh, virtual machines or storage buckets. And we um, help customers um, avoid security incidents um, like the kind you hear in the news frequently where you know there's data breaches. Like we do things to help people prevent that from happening um, and keep people's data safe, essentially. You're going to stay busy doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. You, you talked a little bit about creativity and how you enjoyed that. And you kind of started your career doing some freelancing, which had to be a little bit uh, scary, not necessarily having a consistent paycheck and 
not knowing that there would always be work there and so forth. What was that freelance experience? How was that beneficial to you? Would you recommend that other people do freelancing to get their feet wet and start down a career path? Yeah, um, I think that what I did was a little different than the type of freelance that some people do. Um, when I was freelancing, I was technically uh, called a contractor. Um, so if you if you can arrange it, a freelance or independent contract can be considerably more profitable than contracting through an agency, which is primarily what I did. But the, you know, so I did freelancing as part of my work at AOL, but I was kind of only able to do that because I had an insider connection and a manager I had there. So almost all the other contracting I did was through agencies. And when you go through an agency, they take a cut, but they also um, help arrange all the work and um, sometimes also offer um, healthcare benefits. They're not, not always the best healthcare benefits, but you get some healthcare benefits. Um, they may not be better than like Obamacare or something like that, but that's another upside is that potentially you could get better deal on benefits. Um, um, when you're first starting off though, this can be really helpful for designers. It's getting hard can be hard without experience. So it's a bit of a catch 22 um, when you're looking at full-time jobs that say you need three years experience and you don't have it yet. Um, so contracting can be a good way to get the experience and it's easier for a company to hire you as a contractor because there's less risk for them. Um, it's a great way to build your portfolio or get experience. So each time also I switch jobs, it was a great chance to raise my pay to negotiate a better rate because you could use your last job's rate to say I want a better rate. Um, so that really helps with your salary. Um, but um, it really helped me, definitely really helped me boost my salary in the early days and build a much better portfolio of work that I could share in my Google interview eventually. Um, so I'm not sure I could have been hired at Google without all the array of portfolio um, projects that I had from, you know, from doing contract work. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that's interesting that, again, that portfolio, can you show people what you can do, the quality of your work, if you can do that, that's a lot more powerful than just having something on a resume that says I worked at such and such place. If you can show that evidence that that's always really useful. You talked a little bit, you know, obviously at Google, uh, you worked on various projects. And again, I don't know everything about Google, but I, I feel like, you know, I occasionally see something that's out in beta for Google, and then it, it kind of disappears or something is available for a while, and then it goes away. So obviously failure is, and I wouldn't look at that as failure, but failure is something that students typically avoid at all costs because that means a bad grade or getting in trouble at home or whatever. Uh, does Google encourage failure or how are you maybe, uh, how have you been able to deal with failure with the knowledge that it's helping you learn and it's helping you get to that next place where you need to go? Yeah, I, I think it's really important, um, especially in the software industry, but really in any job to have what's called a growth mindset. Um, the idea is like nothing is a failure as long as you learn from it. Um, so you kind of either win or you learn. <laughs> um, everything Everything's a learning opportunity. There are a lot of problems that are really just hard problems. And you have to accept that you're going to get a lot of wrong answers before you get any right answers. 
that are, or even you maybe are always trying to get a right answer that you maybe never get. Um, that's sort of like the nature of design. It's not like right or wrong answers. Um, there's no like perfect design and perfect is sometimes the enemy of the good. Um, so even if you come to like a potential like solution, you can always improve on it and make it better. So there's, um, I mean, it's kind of the nature of design and software too. So when you start um, working on really complex problems, you have to learn to get comfortable with ambiguity and realize that you just don't know what you don't know. Um, there's sort of unknown unknowns in a lot of the, you know, in a lot of work, especially in software, um, in trying to, when you're trying to work on things like machine learning or like really complex algorithms, um, there are going to be potentially unknowable things where you just have to develop some rough signal to try to help you um, like approximate your position. I mean, think of like, you know, trying to land a Mars rover and the challenges there when the signal might not always be clear and you don't know where you are, where the rover is, et cetera. Um, so it's actually sort of, it's actually part of our hiring criteria at Google that we're we're hiring people that are comfortable dealing with ambiguity. That's actually really important. It's like an important criteria. Um, you know, not just people being, you know, waiting for someone to tell them what to do. Like we need adults in the room, like problem solvers. So uh, we also just look for people who have a really a growth mindset and who love learning because it's just really an important part of the job. And um, failure is just a part of the process and something that we like strive to just become comfortable with and fail fast is the idea just fail faster <laughs> right right that's interesting I, I love a couple of those quotes perfect is the enemy of good which i think gets a lot of high school students you know i have to get that perfect when then well i don't want to try something because i might not be able to make it perfect so i just won't do that and they miss out on those opportunities to grow and learn and then i also liked that idea of being comfortable dealing with ambiguity, not knowing all the answers. Uh, and I, again, I think sometimes we, our system has pushed students to, you know, if you don't know the answer, then, you know, don't take that risk. But in the real world, you're going to have to take that risk at times. <laughs> As you sit here now and you think about, um, well, you talked a little bit about uh, meeting the father of the internet. Are there any other interesting people that you've had the opportunity to meet or work with as a result of your career path? Definitely. Another figure that's like um, a Google employee that is quite impressive that you may have heard of is Ray Kurzweil. He is um, another person like Vint who works on this problem space called accessibility, which I am very interested in. So um Accessibility, you should think about it as um, the ways that we can design products to make sure that they are inclusive of people who might have disabilities, including, um, you know, blindness, um, hearing loss, um, or, um, you know, other forms of mobility impairment. Um, so I, I think that he's done a lot of really interesting things that not only advance accessibility of technology, but have helped everybody. So for example, he invented um, optical character optical character recognition or OCR. So um, for example, you could take printed 
paper uh, image of text and convert it to digital font and actually read it back to somebody with a screen reader. So text to speech, which is um, something that are you can you can get on most web pages on all web pages on the internet really with a screen reader device um, is something that is really made the internet much more accessible to a huge amount of people, changed lives. Um, and I find that super inspiring. Um, he also has worked on things like um, Dragon Naturally Speaking, which became Siri. Um, so that's, you know, uh, basically voice recognition. And I believe he's presently working on things like that now where, you know, voice recognition has just gone light years <laughs> fast in the past few years and its development and like, it's stuff like that that's super, I find super inspiring. Um, but I also work with a lot of folks in the security space um, that, you know, you may never have heard of, but are, are kind of, to me, like the legends of, of uh, you know, the internet. They're making it secure for everybody, right. um, you know. And I just find a lot of design inspiration, though, and accessibility. Um, so uh, there's a really... Um, a uh, good author that I like named Kat Holmes who writes about accessibility and disability inclusion. And I really think for me, at least that's an area I find a lot of inspiration in because it makes like so much more possible for so many more people in the world um, when you really think about like designing for inclusion. And um, it's just, that's kind of an area that I find really inspiring. Right. Yeah, that, that's interesting. The people that you've been able to work with and yeah, we can look them up on Wikipedia or whatever and, and see all the things they've done and you've worked with those people and and you are, I'm sure, having an impact on, on a lot of people as well. So as we wrap up, what is it that you now know about life and or careers that you wish you had known when you were in high school? I think that for me, the biggest impact that, um, you know, where, where I felt like I, I wish I'd known more um, was things that I learned from traveling. Um, I think it's really important that you get out of your local orbit and see the world. I think that it's really important to try to get perspective on your life from out as far away from your present location as possible because it can get, it can help you just get perspective on what's really true from another geographic position on earth like this. Um, you know, I know that this could be like dependent upon financial means, but um, I would say that if you can't afford it, you you can you can read a lot. You can read a lot, a lot about places, and it's important to or you know other cultures. It's important to just consider um, you know all the options you have in terms of education because education can really help you find a path, um, even if funds aren't available. Um, there's a lot more opportunity for you once you self-educate and you learn that. There are, um, you know, a lot more options out there for you in the world. Um, learning can also just help you on the financial side. So like it could help unblock that too, to like to be able to travel. I also wanted to, the one thing I want to say to students now though, in terms of education and like pursuing education in higher ed is that, um, you know, it can really be, student loans can really be, dangerous route depending on you know what you're signing up for it can be really easy to sign up for a lot of student loan debt um and 
in high school, I definitely did not realize what I was ready to sign up for and the burdens that it can have on you later in life because you can't walk away from student loans and you don't necessarily want your parents to be strapped with that burden either. So it's just really easy to sign up for too much debt and then just think I'll pay it off later. But I think it's really important to have a plan. Um, you know, I have a lot of my peers from college that are still struggling and pay off student loans 10 years later. So um, you don't want to be in that boat. Like before you sign up for student loans, you just need to make sure you've really deeply thought about how you're going to pay it off and, um, you know, what your alternatives are. Is there a cheaper alternative? Um, that can often be better than just taking on a lot of risky debt um, that you, you know, plan to pay off after graduation. The other thing that can happen with what happened to me and other students I know is that the tuition can increase while you're in school. So even people who had full rides graduated with $20,000 in debt often, and that can, you know, can take a while to pay off. So right. it's just something that you really want to plan for and really do the numbers and think through it, um, you know, as much as you can. So, um, you know, and also I just want to say that like high school troubles don't, I mean, just, <laughs> I feel like don't let it bring you down. It, you know, high school is very temporary. There's a lot more past uh, high school. High school is like a blip on the radar 20 years later. Um, so I say this though, as somebody who like literally still has nightmares about my locker, forgetting my locker combination, <laughs> which apparently a lot of people have that dream. <laughs> I don't know what triggers it, but it's, it's like the, I, you know, I can't, I forgot my schedule. I don't know my locker right. combination right. or whatever, right. but that kind of fades over time, I think, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, I just think it's, there's just so much more life after graduation right. um, to look forward to. So, you know, just remember that like high school, high school, right. <laughs> it's, you'll be over it soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lane, or yeah, Lane, I really appreciate you spending some time with us and sharing about your career and about your path, and I'm sure you're going to do great things, and I, I appreciate as a teacher all that Google uh, has done to make computers and, and knowledge and so forth more accessible to students, so thank you very much for all of this, and good luck as you continue down your career path. Thank you for watching and listening to this episode of the Joust About Careers podcast. I hope you learned valuable information from this career story. And to be sure you don't miss upcoming episodes, please click subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform so you'll know when the next episode is released. Thank you for watching. And as always, this is the place to go to learn just about careers.